Welcome to the Fertility Podcast. I'm Natalie Silverman, your host. I've been uh, using my voice in my work for about 15 years now. I used to be on the radio. Now I'm podcasting and do a lot of voiceover work. Now, the Fertility Podcast has a whole host of episodes for you from adenomyosis to zero sperm. It's a total A to Z of all sorts of things that affect you on your fertility journey. I'm mum to a little boy called Phoenix after having successful ICSI treatment and that was my reason for starting the podcast and I hope that if you found us then you'll realise that you are not alone. This podcast is to help educate and empower you. I've brought together as many experts and tried to share as many of your stories as possible and I now have my wonderful co-host. I'm Kate Davis, a fertility nurse consultant and I'm Adam that we can all do so much better at understanding our fertility. I'm really passionate about teaching you to take ownership of your fertility, teaching you practical steps, emotional coping strategies and lifestyle changes that you can make to hopefully optimise your chances of conceiving. Right, I want you to just come here and do something for me. Do I need to sit on the seat? Yeah. Sure. And we get... Okay, nice glasses. Can you just say, stay home, stay safe, and protect the NHS for me? Stay home and stay safe and protect the NHS. Nice sunglasses. They're not sunglasses. What are they? Star glasses. Oh, nice. Let me just get this up. Is that your phone? Yeah. Right, off you go. Okay, so now you know who we are. Just a quick note from me. As you can hear, I've got company. Another episode in lockdown and I hope wherever you're at, you're doing okay. It is just incredible to see what our brilliant frontline workers are doing, as I think I've been saying for the last few weeks. I feel kind of redundant in what I can do to help, but we're going to keep putting out the content and also I'm doing some Insta lives. So if you're not following me on Insta, it's at Fertility Poddy. I'm doing one on Monday, one on Wednesday, both at 12.30 GMT, more to come. Um, so be ace if you can join me. Before we share this episode with you, which is a conversation with a lovely lady called Kate, who is a fertility nurse who I actually met a good few years ago visiting one of her clinics. She got in touch to ask if we were keen to talk about her experience of miscarriage because she was diagnosed with a severe progesterone sensitivity. And one of the things that we are doing with the Fertility Podcast now is trying to share some of the more unusual stories of your experiences because we are all so different and say the story you're about to hear which is actually a pretty rare example but say there is any similarity in something that you might have experienced and it helps you know that you're not alone in this situation then we've completed our purpose so if you are dealing with a more unusual scenario with your fertility status let's call it do get in touch do let us know you can email info at the fertilitypodcast.com now last week we shared a bonus episode which was a conversation with medichex talking about their home fertility blood tests and i'm really chuffed to share that medichex are sponsoring the podcast because whether you are trying to get healthy before trying for a baby or investigating why you're not getting pregnant medichex has a range of simple home blood tests developed with our very own kate davis to help you so just visit medichex.com to find out more and now enjoy the episode 
One of the things that I love about this podcast is that the point of it is to get people to tell their stories. And you'll know if you've been listening for a while that we've spoken to a whole host of men and women sharing their stories, as well as the expert interviews that we do. Quite often, they come from the contact that you've made, whether it's on social media or it's an email. And this conversation today is exactly that, an email that I'd been sent. And often what I do is I then send it to Kate and I go... (laughs) What do you think? I was just looking back at the email that I sent you where I went, wow, shall we talk about this? And you were like, wow, yes, let's talk about it. And I don't want to say too much because we're going to introduce this lady called Kate, another Kate. Kate talked about something that I had never heard about. Do you want to explain, Kate? Yeah, well, interestingly... I'd never, I've never seen it either. So I was so keen to talk to Kate about it. And basically what she suffered with is a really rare disorder called progesterone hypersensitivity and how that affected her during her IVF treatment. So this is a real fascinating chat, but I want to say definitely it is incredibly rare. So I don't want anyone to be panicking and worrying. It's a rare, rare disorder, but incredibly interesting. Well, here's Kate, and then we'll catch up at the end. And um, we'll put all our details as well if you've got any questions. But as Kate stressed there, this is the more unusual podcast episode. So this is a total caveat. Do not listen to this and freak out, okay? That's one thing that we want to stress. (laughs) Kate, I really appreciate you reaching out because I know that you've kind of reached a point where you now feel happy and ready to talk about what went on with Mm. you. And it'd be lovely to just get an overview from you of what happened. Being me, I have a lovely um, sort of menopausal brain, so I'm being really organised and I've made some notes. <laughs> Great. Um, but really to sort of start, I was very much just, I say an ordinary patient, but I started on the fertility journey very much like most of my patients did. You know, we, we tried conceiving naturally for a, a, a couple of years and nothing had happened. We'd gone through our secondary care at the hospital with some rounds of ovulation induction. And again, sadly, nothing had happened. And then obviously I'd moved upwards to IVF and tried IVF and using my own eggs and first cycle was unsuccessful and the second cycle I didn't respond at all, um, Mm. which was then that they picked up that I was kind of entering an early menopause at the age of 35. So again, there were lots of things going on and then my husband and I took some time to decide what do we want to do and then we were really fortunate to have one funded cycle left where we were able to actually have a cycle using egg donation, which was, you know, offering us a, our best chance, really, of, mm. of potentially having a family. So we waited a little while for the right donor. And when the right donor did come along, I had normal treatment, just as you normally would um, as an egg, egg recipient. And everything went really well. Um, and I found out a couple of weeks later after the embryo transfer that I was pregnant for the first time ever. Wow. Which was really, really, you know, never, oh. ever got that far. Yeah. Really, really good news. I had all of this at the clinic that I worked in in Bourne and the staff were just fantastic. They were all probably in tears more than I was. I think I was still in shock. I'm sure a lot of your patients say you never imagine you'll get that far, really. You're just living from day to day and from, you know, one test to the next test. And oh, this, this time it might be better, it might not. So, yeah, it was really, really good news. But in a nutshell, after that point, I remember getting my, my blood test done and not believing the, the result, your BTHCG result, which Kate would probably relate to, you know, yeah. thinking, no, that can't be right. I've never got that far. Never got that far before because my husband and I had tested and the line was so faint. I was like, don't be ridiculous. No, don't be silly. So I'd kind of gone to work and, you know, had a really busy list for the day and said, can you just put me out my misery? And then they said, oh, no, no, it's really good. And you're like, what? 
really? Me? Are you sure that's me? So yeah, up until that point, things were really, really positive. But sadly, sort of about a couple of days after I'd got the positive test, things just took a dramatic downhill turn, really. I started to feel really, really unwell. I started to have quite a lot of problems in terms of overall swelling, particularly in my pelvic area, which was really painful and really uncomfortable. Almost like you're sort of getting a burn would be the way I would describe it. And things just got really, really worse from there. The clinic were really, really good. They swapped over my medication to um, injectable progesterone rather than the lovely progesterone pessaries that all you lovely patients all relate to. And then things just got dramatically worse. I was literally covered in rashes, sort of burns, and had some of the most severe symptoms. And you, you just think, is this actually happening? Is, is, this, is this me? I think it's the only point I think I lost about six or seven kilos in about two weeks. And all my friends and work colleagues would know that's not normal for me. I'm normally guzzling chocolates, begging patients to come in and bring chocolates. And all the classic sort of hormonal changing symptoms when you look back at the time, anxiety, weight loss, gastric symptoms, vasomotor symptoms, severe insomnia, to the point where I just, I couldn't tolerate any of the medication anymore. So unfortunately, they just decided to stop everything. Um, And it was then sadly a couple of weeks later that I unfortunately then had a miscarriage because, Mm. as you know, you can't maintain your progesterone support. Things can't sort of continue if you're don't have the sort of body that can do that naturally unfortunately Mm. so I mean when you first emailed us Kate and you said that this had occurred to you this progesterone sensitivity and I know it's incredibly rare I've never seen it in a in a patient to the degree that you've never seen it no and to the degree that you've explained it I mean certainly I do see women who are taking progesterone therapy after embryo transfer and they might have insomnia that's quite common yeah, um and obviously we know that progesterone in a natural cycle not thinking about fertility but generally women can be sensitive to progesterone but it's so rare isn't it I mean I've like I said I've never seen it and you've never seen it no so how- I, I yeah I just remember looking around at sort of four consultants at Bourne Hall and some of them had been practicing for years and years and just sort of sitting there saying so what is it? You know, has anyone ever seen this? And they're all just kind of looking at me going, we've never seen this before. And, you know, and you suddenly think, well, somebody must have, you know, really? But yeah, it was exactly the same that um, those classic, as you say, PMDD symptoms for ladies with progesterone in the, mm. you know, just before their period, those sort of symptoms we see and ladies with some sensitivity. But yeah, to the degree in the end where I was on prednisolone, steroids, creams, they had to refer me back into the NHS. They really did try everything that they could. And it just seemed to get worse and worse, which would make sense, as we know, in early pregnancy, because your progesterone starts to increase. So can, can I just ask a, a kind of layman question? No, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> because I thought there was some link between progesterone helping prevent miscarriage. As, yeah, a, as a reason that you're on it. Yes. Okay. And so do you have the progesterone as, as, as part of your cycle, your IVF cycle after, don't yes. you? And then you had such a severe reaction, you have to come off it and there's no alternative to it. No, right? they, they tried to administer HCG, which is a very old way of doing it, where you would give ladies HCG and it would help to stimulate your corpus luteum to carry on sort of managing But really, there isn't a lot else that they can administer really in in its place because it's such a specific hormone. I'm sure Kate might add something that is such a specific hormone at that point in the pregnancy that you need. Yeah, I mean, if you think about kind of biology and 
with the um, corpus luteum. The corpus luteum, as and it's called. I love the term corpus luteum. I do because I do, it but is. What is it? So it's, it, it's what it says. So basically, oh. once it's the casing that the egg is in. Once you ovulate, you have the casing of the egg that dies off, hence corpus. And as it dies off, you get a raise in progesterone levels and those yeah. progesterone levels stay elevated. And in pregnancy, the corpus luteum creates the progesterone until the placenta takes over at about yeah. nine weeks oh, amazing. Yeah. so that's it why it's amazing. so important and that's why you have early miscarriage in in some i mean there's so many reasons why women have early miscarriage but that's one of the reasons because your progesterone levels will plummet and therefore the, the pregnancy doesn't continue and that's why often with ivf treatment you'll have progesterone therapy to support uh that luteal phase after embryo transfer so that's really sad kate that you then you then unfortunately for your own health you had to stop oh it was a, but unfortunately was a then went on to miscarriage but there wasn't really anything else to do because no. it, it had just become so severe that you just had to sort of think well how much longer can you sort of you know keep keep plowing ahead and, and, and keep trying to keep going when you're just getting sicker and sicker by the day um and it, it wasn't it wasn't an easy decision but it was something that you know had to be had to be made really and then you had to go through the miscarriage and then, sorry if this sounds kind of crass, but were you like instantly recovered? I don't mean, I don't no, mean... No, no, I understand. Uh, no, not at all. In, in my mind, because I think um, at that point your mind is so sort of perhaps hormonally overwhelmed and imbalanced anyway. In my mind, I was thinking, well, you know, it's been three days or whatever, I'll be absolutely fine. But actually, it really took many, many months of recovery, really. I was very much in the grief point at that point of denial that yeah. I, I don't want to talk about it, don't want to deal with it, don't want to go back. And it was actually my mum and one of my good colleagues, a lovely nurse and close friend at Bourne, who'd said, you know, you really need to go and see someone and find out what happened. And I was like, mm. no, 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 definitely not. Just put it all to bed, pretend it didn't happen and hide away in my little scan room and see all these lovely ladies and, you know... But then I thought, well, actually, you're right, because they, my mum kind of said, well, what if it happens to someone else? My mum is just a superstar and, and kind of said, right, I'll, I'll pay for you to go private, find someone who you want to see. And I went to see Professor Conway, who was a reproductive endocrinologist in London. And it was so refreshing to talk to someone who, you know, had actually heard of it, uh, rather than sort of people sort of going, hmm, ah, he, oh, he kind of said, Yes, I have I have heard of this, not to the severity that you've had, but I've definitely heard of it. And you kind of knew he was interested because he was kind of getting his iPad out straight away and making notes and you know, you think, oh, oh 100%. okay. Yeah. I mean, before we've spoken, I've done a bit of research into it and could I actually only find one literature, literature review. I don't know whether you've read this one. And it talked about the different severity of the condition so dermatitis urticaria yeah. and then going yeah. on and then talks about one 26 year old woman who had facial and lip edema bronchospasm and hypotension and that's really the only reference to a severe condition so i'm surprised they've not written you up <laughs> well he was making a lot so. of notes on his ipad he was he was really he was very clear and concise because at that point we still had an embryo in storage and at that point he was very much trying to plan what what he would do if, if we tried again and it would basically be a kind of a lot of practice runs with different levels of progesterone and steroids and things like that. And were they um, going to kind of, because again, I've read about desensitisation 
therapy yeah. were they looking at that then to, you know a bit yes. like when you allergic to wasps and you have a little bit of wasp whatever it is not sting whatever Absolutely. it is and to, to get you through that process he wanted to try some almost like you say dummy, dummy runs um, and he was basically saying well what have you used before and obviously in the, my unsuccessful cycles I'd used various progesterones and never had a problem because obviously it never went up that high so he was kind of devising plans of what I would use what I would do and at that point yeah he kind of said well recovery can take a long time but he was really focused on what happens mentally which was the eye-opener for me because I my husband was at work so I'd taken my mum along and again she's so handy at doctors because I said oh I was fine you know I was a little bit anxious and my mum kind of looked at me and went you were absolutely mental Kate she went you wouldn't have even realized she said but you were almost sort of mania so it was actually the wow. mental you know the, the impact on the brain and I just thought wow that's actually really interesting and then you know my nursing mind's kicking and thinking wow that's really interesting that hormones mm. could be responsible for all of this fascinating so I mean, I'm a bit dumbfounded by this, in, not dumbfounded, but I'm just amazed that there's such a different level of things that can occur. And I, and I know that, Kate, you're wanting to talk about it in case it is something that somebody might experience, but it's taken you a while to feel ready, hasn't it? And, I, and I'm also wondering whether, are you still working in Bourne amongst the whole fertility setting? Because I, I imagine that must be quite triggering for you now. I did leave and have a break, which actually was the best thing I could have done. I didn't want to because I still call them my born family. Um, you know, they were so supportive. They really are. So I think having a break was the best thing I could have done just to break the link as such. I had lots of counselling and I also had some CBT counselling because after seeing the professor, you know, knowing that it wouldn't be, well, next week you'll be fine. It was actually, well, you're going to have to deal with some of these symptoms for a, a bit longer. So you know, let's get positive and learn how to deal with them so that you can get out there and, and still kind of live a normal life. So it was, you know, learning how to deal with those symptoms. So having the break was actually brilliant because I kind of could start somewhere with a bit of a clean slate as such. And I think it was probably more easier on, on the lovely girls at Bourne as well because they all found it so heart-wrenching just as much as I did. This is when I took some time out and started my um, post-grad in reproduction because I was determined to say. I need to find out more about this. I need to find out more so that not just on this, just everything. Because like you, Kate, I was just fascinated. So it, yeah. was, it was a really, really good time to divert my energy in, into something positive so that I felt that I could get some more knowledge and then start to share it with people, anyone who asked, really. I wouldn't necessarily talk about me, but then if they had, you know, certain certain conditions, I'd say, well, have you tried this? Have you thought about such and such? Absolutely. Well, thank you for talking about it to us. I think it'd be really interesting for people. And, and I wonder if there's kind of any final advice that either one of you want to offer in terms of the whole progesterone conversation. Because, I mean, I know from what I see online, especially in the Instagram community, you know, there's the talk about getting to that progesterone phase, you know, when you've gone through your protocol and then yeah. if you've had your transfer and, you know, if people are then getting nervous about it. I mean, I know you've said it's rare, but... What advice would you give if people are starting to get, I don't know, a bit nervous? I would I mean, say um, go if on, they've go got ahead, any sorry. symptoms, just to just to approach your clinic straight away and not be afraid to sort of, no matter how trivial it is, and it might be something just really, really trivial, and not be afraid to go in and, and just say, look, I've got this symptom, is this normal? Yeah, and I think, you know, just to reiterate that it is incredibly rare and it, it can happen in a normal cycle without IVF and yeah, it doesn't absolutely. happen very often. So that's just showing you how rare it is that it's something that, you know, both Kate and I had never heard of. 
or never seen really to that degree within our practice therefore it is a you know a very rare rare occurrence and it, given it the very fact much that it is be, i mean i'd scoured mm. the internet thinking there must be someone out there yeah. because in some ways you're just desperate to reach out to someone and say oh it might not there might be someone else and what did they do but as you say it's also knowing that it's really really rare but also that women can get as you say some milder symptoms um, yeah. and it doesn't mean that it will be something as severe as this but it's just just acknowledging that sometimes these things happen and you never imagine it, it could be you really Mm. Wow! I'm, I'm, mm. I'm just amazed. I'm, I'm just yeah. I, I, I'm always amazed at what I learn from doing this podcast, and that is the reason that we do it. And I just hope that if we have managed to put that out into somewhere, and somebody finds it, and it's a view, something. Well, I'm sure it'll be of great news anyway. But Kate, thank you so much for your time. Oh, no, thank you very much. And obviously, it's also to sort of reach out there to ladies who, you know, if are going through lots of difficult times to know that whatever decision that you make or whatever you decide to do or, you know, nothing lasts forever and, and that, you know, good things do happen. And I was determined really to to make it a positive. Um, one of my most proudest things was I ran the 2018 London Marathon for the Miscarriage oh, Association. Well and that was, a, that was just such, uh, because I wanted it to be remembered as something positive positive um at the end um and you know my husband and i have now got three rescue dogs apologies you heard them all before just making <laughs> themselves known um and i'm kind of having the confidence um to say you know I, I i can do different things in life i can go out there and give it a go which i might not have ever done before so actually it's it's thinking I, I, you know that it's made me a stronger person and it's just as you say giving women the confidence to know if there is something that happens that they can get through this um oh, and they that's can, amazing. you know yeah that's have, really good it that that's support that's a lovely, lovely thing to hear, Kate. Thank you so much for sharing us yeah, that with us. Thank you. And well done on that, running a marathon. I take my hands off to anybody that can do that. Thank oh, it, well, it took me over six hours. I certainly I certainly made the most of the course. <laughs> Just taking it all in, soaking up the atmosphere. Yeah. Best way to do it. All right, lovely. Great to chat. Thank you. Thank you very much, ladies. And thank you for chatting. You heard me struggling during that because I just, it's, it dumbfounded me in that there's just such bizarre things that our bodies can do when we're trying to reproduce. Yeah, and I don't think you're alone in the feeling dumbfounded. You know, it is so rare. Um, I've never, ever seen it to that extent, ever. Um, and I think most clinicians, certainly from what Kate was saying, you know, people haven't seen this. And as I mentioned, when I did my research into it, I found very little. I found one literature review that talked about it. And I think probably Kate's had it worse than perhaps some of the, the symptoms that were described in the review that I've read. But wow, I mean, yeah, horrible thing to go through, but hasn't she turned it into something so much more positive and yeah. lovely, really? And, and I, I have to stress that when you email us saying that you'd like to share your stories, it's such a privilege for us to be able to talk to you, but also to then put that story out there, so to speak, because that's the point of the podcast. It's to answer the questions, help you feel less alone, make you realise that that weird thing that you've discovered you might be dealing with, somebody else might well have dealt with it. I mean, Kate, who we just spoke to, as she was saying, you know, was such a rare case, but if you find that this is what 
you find yourself going through, which is probably, probably unlikely, mm. if the fact that you heard it spoken about on a podcast is of help, then, you know, then we've done an amazing thing. And even if it yeah. just, you know, if any, like Kate said, any of the symptoms start to present, it makes you ask questions. I guess it's awareness ultimately, isn't it? It is. It's absolutely. I think it's so important to be aware of the things that can can happen, good or bad, and you can make better informed decisions. Get in touch if you've discovered something unusual on your journey to try and conceive. You can email info at thefertilitypodcast.com. You can contact us via our social media platforms, which are still different because Kate and I do other <laughs> different things. So you can get hold of me at Fertility Poddy on most of your social platforms. What are you, Kate? I'm at Your Fertility Journey. And you can also join our closed Facebook group, which is Talk Fertility, where we do try and continue the conversation and answer your questions as well. And thank you, as always, for your support. Until the next time. 